you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The Built by Bama online podcast presents T. Watts and TR for Thursday, April the 23rd, 2020. It is an NFL draft Thursday. We're certainly going to get into a lot of draft talk. It's a pretty popular topic, I would say, especially this time around, considering we don't have anything else really going on. And joining me to do that and a whole lot more is BamaOnline.com site publisher, Tim Watts. You ready, Tim? You fired up? You ready to go? I am actually am excited. Today's draft day. I'm pretty pumped up about it. Uh, this one's particularly interesting, obviously, with the situation we're in. This is, There's not a lot of sports, so this, this is one of the closest things we're going to get, but also because it's going to be such an interesting draft. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that on the pod today. And before we can have NFL drafts, Tim, we got to have uh, recruiting at the college football level. And certainly for Alabama here in the last week, I think some much needed news, probably more so from the fan base perspective than anything else. The Crimson Tide was sitting there with one commitment going into last Friday, Deontay Lawson, the linebacker prospect from Mobile. But the Crimson Tide adds a wide receiver of note on Saturday and on Friday leading up to that announcement uh, on Saturday. You had a defensive lineman from Montgomery, Alabama, Anquin Barnes make it official for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I know Alabama fans have been frustrated because it took a little while to get going. Um, I really think the Alabama staff had to sort of reevaluate because, as we've noted a, you know, dozens of times, the June evaluation period, the camp period, is so important for them. So I think a lot of guys they want to see in camp and, you know, partly recruit, but also, you know, partly evaluate, sort of whittle it down from there. So with the, the likely there is no camps, the likelihood there is no camps are having to readjust. So we've seen a few commitments here, could see a few more, no real time frame. But I think Alabama, if they push, they could probably get close to double digits in uh, commitments. But they're still trying to be choosy. But Anquin Barnes, a big kid from Montgomery, six foot five, 300 pounds, as John Wooden said, you can't teach size. And this kid has it, big kid. Um, he's not really that quick twitch defensive lineman you know of course it's, it's it's harder to be quick twitch at 300 pounds but he sort of reminds me of quentin dial physically mm-hmm. um, you know just that big guy that big defensive lineman moves well he's not super explosive i said off the snap but he can use his hands well he's really really raw is what he is and it wouldn't shock me to see a guy like this end up on the offensive line possibly at guard and i'm completely speculating but i've seen those guys make that move again and uh that's a possibility that ups his stocks and then, uh, you know, Saturday, Aggie A. Hall, the uh, six foot three, um, 190, 195 pound wide receiver from Florida, big time athlete. This kid's a big time athlete. He's been on the verge with Alabama for a while now um, of committing. He's changed his day, uh, commitment days, about as often as we change socks. It's probably, been, <laughs> it's probably been five or six times since. That hasn't been much lately, though, Tim. I haven't changed socks much lately, but I, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. Well, he uh, he finally he finally uh, decided to go ahead and commit Saturday to Alabama. Jeff Banks did a really good job there. Explosive wide receiver and runs that four five forty. That's been uh, documented. Almost a forty inch vertical jump. You know, guy that's going to be able to to uh, stretch the field athletically. And this is another guy I like who's a little bit raw with his route running. You can tell when you watch his film, especially his junior film, um, he relied a little bit too much on the fact that uh, that he was a great athlete. So there's a lot of upside here from a guy and some stuff to clean up technically, uh, which isn't surprising. I mean, Henry Ruggs wasn't a fluid route runner, a, a really crisp route runner when he got to, to Alabama. Um you know, some are like Jerry Judy and some, you know, some have to be taught it. So two big commitments for Alabama staff. Um, uh, Freddie Roach got Barnes. You know, he was him and him and uh, Charles Kelly. So that's uh, that's uh, Freddie's first uh, assist. 
on a, a commitment. So two big commitments for Alabama and more to come. You touched on how this staff may be having to adjust in the face of perhaps no summer camps. And so with that, I'm going to ask you about Ajay Hall and Anquin Barnes. Are one or both of these guys pre-summer takes if we knew for sure we were going to have camps, Tim? In other words, would one or both of these guys still need to camp perhaps to sort of solidify that green light? You know, I don't I think Barnes would be a guy you'd want. I think you want to see it, this Alabama staff anyways. I think they want to see everybody from the top to the bottom. Sure. Uh, they want to see guys, which just makes sense. And, you know, last year that approach was fantastic. Uh, and they had a slow start last year. I think Alabama, for, you know, fans forget it. Wasn't, wasn't quite this slow. But they had, uh, you know, a very high rate of committing guys who blew up during their senior year. So did a great job evaluating and, you know, landing those guys. As far as Hall, I think he had done enough. I mean, I think he would like, again, uh-huh. I want to see everybody in camp. But I think they've known Hall so long that uh that that he was probably you know okay um obviously without without a camp but i think both of them you'd want to see in camp there's not many kids that you can't look for flaws in camp but i think hall's athleticism alone would have carried him and he would have been particularly uh impressive in a camp setting when they you know where they are testing him i mean you know, like i said 37 plus inch vertical jump uh as a sophomore um, you know, four or five speed as a sophomore. You got to think he's a little bit faster, a little bit more athletic. So, and again, with Barnes, he's got size. You can't teach it. It's interesting. We've been kind of waiting on another bigger receiver to make a really big impact for Alabama for a few years now, right? Since Julio, really. You know, most of these guys like Amari Cooper, like Calvin Ridley, um, uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, Devontae Smith, They've all been more 6'1 or shorter, uh, but Hall with that 6'3 size is certainly intriguing, and it's not to say bigger receivers can't make a big impact because you can look around the SEC going into next season. George Pickens at Georgia is, is, is a bigger receiver. Um, you know, the hope at Alabama is that maybe Terrell Shavers will take a step here coming up whenever we get back to football, but uh yeah, you have to like that combination of, of athleticism and size where uh, Ajay Hall is, is concerned. Tim, speaking of measurables, we've uh, gone through them ad nauseum in advance of the start of the 2020 NFL Draft, which will get underway tonight from a basement somewhere in the New York City area, the home of Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner. You know, Tim, I kind of envision this – when we go to Roger to start the broadcast tonight, I envision sort of this stately Wayne Manor, Manor type setup, you know, at Roger's crib. What do you think? What, what are you kind of in? How are you envisioning this thing from a production standpoint, sort of hitting your screen tonight? I hope it is sort of like Wayne Manor. I, probably, <laughs> I think it's probably going to be more like super technical, though. I know when he walks out, yeah. I'm booing him from the living room, from the house, wherever I'm watching it. I'm Doesn't booing he have him. To have a, a smoking jacket on. He needs to have like a smoking jacket on for, with a pipe, doesn't he? Goodell. I wish he'd come out dressed like the Big Lebowski, just like <laughs> having that haircut, wearing my Hawaiian shirt, my cargo shorts, <laughs> flip flops, hair unbrushed. I think there's going to be a lot of mahogany and fine leather bound books, Tim. That's what I'm anticipating from that Goodell Library. Maybe if there tonight. are. Cam Newton will be there with. <laughs> oh, jeez. I've seen Cam's house. He loved. I saw him smoking a cigar while he had his personal barber giving him a haircut. <laughs> yeah. What quarantine? Yeah. yeah. Cam's living the dream life. Social distancing, my eye. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. So we're gonna have the NFL draft getting underway, as you know, one round, the first round on Thursday night. Then you're gonna have the second, and third rounds on Friday. Uh, Saturday, you'll have rounds four through seven. We're going to get into this Alabama contingent. We're also going to talk about some candidates to replace uh, this uh, anticipated uh, draft hall from Alabama over the next three days as we look ahead to 2020 and beyond for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, But yeah, when you talk about how they're going to make pull this thing off from a technological standpoint, logistically, 
Uh, I kind of also envision this being the NFL version of Cribs. You know, we're probably going to get to see uh, what Sean Payton's house looks like. You know, maybe some players, some guests that they're going to have on. Um, it's just going to be it, truly it's 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 going to be unprecedented. And uh, from the Alabama perspective, so much talk Tim, about Tua and is he sliding? Is he moving up? It's gone both ways. His Wonderlick score uh, initially inaccurately reported and corrected, and uh, it seems like with that Wonderlick situation, we kind of ran out of gas on topics for Tua. It's it's seemingly quieted down since the end of last week, and now we're just left to wonder, will you be surprised, how surprised would you be, I guess, if Tua isn't the first Alabama player off the board tonight? I'm not going to be super surprised because I, I, I'm i personally super high on Jedrick Wills, and I think yeah. I'm are as well. Um, obviously, you know, the one and two picks are done with Burrow and Chase Young. It looks like they haven't budged. So the biggest question is, does somebody trade up to three? And if they do, do they want Jedrick Wills? And I think an offensive lineman makes a lot, a lot of sense for the Giants, right? At four, absolutely. So they got Saquon Barkley. They got a young quarterback to protect. So there's that spot four is where I'm looking sort of like the uh, Iowa kid, Tristan Wirfs, I think it's his name, or Jedrick Wills. So they could very well go four. And I don't think that's a slight to two in any way. I think the offensive lineman – in this draft are, are about to really, really, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot left after this first round on offensive tackles. Yeah. You hear a lot of smoke anyway. We'll see if it's, if there's real fire to it here, you know, you anticipate a lot of things on the eve of the NFL draft. Of course, that being yesterday, I didn't think it would be offensive tackle day. And there was so much talk about these offensive tackles on Wednesday and Perhaps the Miami Dolphins trading up as high as to three to take an offensive tackle. Well, if you're Jedrick Wills, that's music to your ears. Because if it's not even you that goes at three, with the Giants sitting there at four and a need at that position, that just helps you. You know, I mean, if if you're Jedrick Wills, keep, keep all that offensive tackle talk coming, even if it isn't specific to yourself. Yeah, you want those dominoes to get going. You know, once that first tackle comes off the board... And that's what's going to happen with quarterbacks, too. That's what always happens. You'll have Burrow, you'll have Tuba, you'll have, you know, Herbert. You'll start having quarterbacks. You're not going to take three quarterbacks in the top six and not take another one until the second round. Yeah. I care what they say. That's not – the NFL can't wait to find the next Casey Whedon or Brandon Quinn or Johnny Manziel down there between 20 and 32. Um, There's going to be Jacob Eason. There's going to be the love kid. Uh that they're going to go after. So the sooner Jalen, yeah, Jalen's helped by all that. Jalen's might've moved himself all the way up into the second round. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see him go ahead of uh, Jake Fromm. both of them should go similar spots. It sounds like, but yeah, once you get that that offensive tackle going and there's a lot of them, but there's also, I mean, that's the one thing about the NFL. If you land an offensive tackle, that's good. You get them for 10 years, usually. Right. You land the right guy when you get the right guy. Um, you know that's a that's a ten year. You don't have to deal with them anymore. Yeah, I've heard from markets here in the last week or two. Uh, Phoenix with the Arizona Cardinals have a real need at tackle. The Jets have a real need at tackle. The Giants have a real need at tackle. Great year to be an offensive tackle. I would think the, I would think the Browns are another one. Absolutely. You know, they're, yeah. they're in a few, and you know, you start out with the Giants, and you know, to me, going into this, I've been, I've been wondering if the Dolphins would try, if they took Tua, if they'd try to pair him with Jedricks, because that seems like such a natural thing. You know, you get, you get, you know, you get his right, sure. tackle, you get his right tackle, and really, to Tua, he's the left tackle. You know, blocking it, getting his blind side. So I was wondering if that's what was happening with that three and five move. But the thing I love the most about the night before the draft is all the news that comes out of nowhere as everybody jockeys to try to get people to drop or to spread misinformation. Sure. I don't believe the day before signing day that the Dolphins, it leaked out, they were trading up to get an offensive tackle any more than I believe just a random rumor the day before national signing day that a kid's going to shock everybody and do something, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good at that stage, analogy. At that stage, it's usually done, it's done leaking. It's it's run its course for the most part. Um, so you look at some of these 
one round, first rounds, two rounds, seven round mocks. Still see Tua slotted a lot in these to the Miami Dolphins with the fifth overall pick. It could be interesting, you know, because you, you mentioned a, a pairing of Tua and Jedrick perhaps down in, in Miami. And, you know, that would require the Dolphins making a, 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 a big move with a second first round pick. But they have thir- three first round picks this year. They have 14 picks overall. So if that's something they really wanted to do, they have enough draft capital just in this draft alone to probably go back up if they take two a fifth and Jedrick's still there, maybe say at nine when the Jacksonville Jaguars pick and the Jags aren't totally sold on a, a guy there, they could move back a little bit. So, yeah, it, it's going to be very fascinating to see how much movement we have uh, as yep. teams try to to put some things together. To me, in a draft like this, you want as many picks as you can have in the second round because if you're looking at seven offensive linemen, maybe five quarterbacks and five cornerbacks, and when you look at all these guys, five wide receivers, I mean, you're talking 23 or 32 draft choices right there. You're going to have a ton of talent in that second round. No doubt. You're going to see guys, you know, you know how they always do that best available on day two? Well, sure. I'll, bet you, I'll bet you that best available on day two is going to be a lot of names we were really familiar with and thought could go much higher in the draft, even as high as in the teens. So I don't think I, I think it's a loaded draft. I don't I don't disagree at all. I mean, there's going to be some you know, there could be some guys like DeAndre Swift when you talk about the running back position alone. Right. Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, depending on on how the position is valued in round one. Uh, if you need a running back, if you need depth at wide receiver, I'm not so sure that the quality at receiver sustains once you get beyond the top three or four guys in this draft. But you're still going to have plenty of options if you need a third receiver you know, or maybe a fourth receiver. Once you get out of the first round, there's, there's going to be plenty of those kind of guys um, at the wide receiver spot. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, there seems to be a little bit of a debate about which of these two Alabama wide receivers comes off the board first tonight. Henry Ruggs the third, Tim, or Jerry Judy? I mean, for me, I've been beating this drum for a while. For me, it's a no-brainer. It's Henry Ruggs because yeah. Henry can do stuff none of the other receivers can do with his speed. Um, also, I love his toughness. I love his catching. I think he's still just beginning to tap into what he's going to be. Uh, as a wide receiver, you know, even if you look at his history, uh, didn't play football as a sophomore, ran track to keep in shape. This is a guy that's got a lot of lot of stuff when he's focused and is the focus of an offense. Uh, I think he could really blow up. So I'm a big guy. I mean, I mean it's not going to surprise me at all if Judy goes first between the two. Uh, I think those th- three wide receivers, including Lamb, are, are all pretty close in the NFL's eyes. So, for me, Ruggs is that guy, I think, that if he gets in the right – and, you know, the thing with Ruggs is he needs to be in a system that can really exploit what he does. So, going first, going to for being the first wide receiver isn't necessarily better for him. He needs to be – you know, he won't fall to these teams, but he needs creative teams like the Saints or the uh, the Eagles or the Ravens or the Chiefs. You know, he needs yeah. – you know, he needs to go to somebody that knows what he's going to – what they're going to do with him. Now, with Judy – it's pretty cut and dried what you're going to do with him. So just about anybody can take him. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know where the knee injury problem came in. He, you know, I know he, he, he hurt a lot of knees, you know, with those cuts. <laughs> did. I didn't notice his knees were particularly uh, any kind of problem. So I think he's going to be a high pick and a great NFL player. So I think he's very low risk, um, but I think Ruggs has the biggest upside. That's certainly been one of the hot topics of late. That Judy knee situation that has cropped up here in the last few years, in the last few days, excuse me, uh, and it'll we'll see how that impacts things if it does at all uh, coming up on Thursday night. Um, then you get into sort of the later portion of the first round. Xavier McKinney expected to go somewhere in the late teens, maybe into the twenties, Tim. And then the question becomes: Does Alabama have a sixth guy go in the first round, which would tie 2004 Miami for most first round selections in a particular draft um after Xavier you think Trayvon Diggs gets into that first round could Terrell Lewis be a big surprise even with that injury history 
Got to be one of those two guys, I would think, to go along with McKinney to, to close out the first. Yeah, with Xavier, I worry a little bit because we've seen those top safeties fall into that early second round. I mean, we've seen it happen. I mean, we saw it with Landon. We've seen it a lot. I love Xavier because he's got that big in-the-box type. Uh, and I think I think people really, once they watch the film of that guy, I think they really fell in love with him because he's got that big in-the-box style, that walk-up safety. But he also can cover, you know, and he's a smart guy. He's going to interview well. He's really an original original guy, very businesslike guy. So certainly I think he'll be uh, – he should be in the first round, although I worry that about the position scarcity and how they fall. But I think Diggs is going to go first round. I'm not as big on Diggs as other people. Um, uh, didn't think he had a great year this year. Thought they went at him a little bit more than they did Pat, obviously. But, man, physically, you know, I've talked to some NFL guys, and physically – He's got everything that the uh, they look for in a in a cornerback in the NFL. He's big, he's smooth, he's you know all that stuff. They're not worried about him not being super aggressive. So I think he's probably you know as much a lock to go in that first round as Xavier is, oddly enough. And especially yeah. you know especially with the price put on corners. And after you get past C.J. Henderson, who now they're talking top top thirteen or ten, and you get past mm-hmm. Akuda who they're talking, you know, top 10, you get, who's the third best, you know, DB. So it, it, that certainly helps him. It's not a very strong cornerback uh, class. No, I talked with uh, Trayvon back in the preseason. And when I look at him physically, what you see is a guy like a lot like Jalen Ramsey, you know, the, the old Florida state corner who went on to be an early round, early first round pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars before being traded to the LA Rams. He looks a lot like that guy. And in talking with Trayvon back in the preseason, he said, absolutely. In terms of the way a guy plays the game, that's who he sort of molds himself after is Jalen Ramsey. So you can see where teams, when they look at Trayvon, that's what they see as a ceiling for him. I think he's still got a lot of ground to cover to get to that point, but you know, that's the drafts are largely about potential. And you said it, especially at a position of value like corner, that certainly helps Trayvon Diggs. And so uh, he may be the biggest surprise in terms of how high he goes tonight. Yeah. If he does, in fact, go in the first I mean, if round, you, if you need a corner, once you get past, yeah. you know, CJ Henderson, who's, who's, uh, you know, and, and I don't think, and I don't think Henderson's game is, is there yet either. I think Henderson's a lot like Trayvon Diggs, the corner from Florida that we're talking about, Tim. I, I, I think you can, some of the same questions that you're going to ask about Trayvon, and I got questions about Trayvon. I know you do too, but I think you could say the same thing about CJ Henderson of Florida. It, yeah, it's it, other it, than a CUDA, it's about potential. You're, you're banking on potential with these guys. Yeah, Henderson wasn't nearly as productive as you expected him to be, especially after the combine numbers, but you know, the NFL doesn't really learn, you know, they're not, they're, they're still, I mean, there's a reason those top 10 teams are drafting the top 10 team teams every year, but yeah, they're going to go on upside. I mean, they're going to get a big, long athletic, which is what Diggs is, uh, looks the part in his uniform, looks the part, you know, and all, you know, and everything. So, uh, I don't blame him for taking a chance on him, especially in a very soft cornerback year. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Alabama has a legitimate shot at six, four is a guarantee, um, five is very, very likely, and I find I find pretty good odds, you know, 80% that six go. There you go. So that's a day one look. And you get into day two, you know, once day two is over, Alabama could be done in this draft because this could be a draft for Alabama in which everything is wrapped up by the end of the third round. That leaves you with Terrell Lewis, uh, Raekwon Davis, and Anthony Jennings. When we talk about the nine players most expect from UA to be drafted this weekend. That's seven, eight, nine. Terrell Lewis, Raekwon, Anthony Jennings. Is that kind of the order you anticipate them going in, Tim? Uh, um, yeah, I think Raekwon's going to be interesting because he, you know, he, you know, Raekwon's got his best film is really good. Obviously, um, he had moments where he doesn't seem like he got really better, but again, he's a big body. Uh, he has, you know, he has pretty good pedigree and all that. So I think a team is are going to take him the top three rounds. Terrell's the one I'm most, I'm most curious about. Cause I don't know. I mean, to me, 
you know, you have to roll the dice to be a good NFL team. You have to take chances. Uh, you don't have to take them in the first round. But Terrell's really a big upside. You know, of course, it's the huge if he stays healthy. But what if he stays healthy? I mean, you know, he's worth certainly worth a second-round pick, a, a healthy Terrell Lewis. And you have to hope that all those injuries, all that bad luck and everything that went with them ha has finally gone away. Because physically, that, that's, you know, that's about as pretty as a defensive end you're going to find or a pass rusher, as you're going to find. Just an athletic guy, built the part, looks the part. So I still think that teams going to be a lot to pass up. Now, they're going to have to look, you know, of course, there's been reports about his red flag because of in, his injury history. And I, I believe that. I 100% believe that. Sure. Injuries there. But we've seen guys drafted with injuries who went on to be fine. So, uh, you know, and Jennings, you know, he, he's just going to be, to me, he's just a solid guy. Super long arms. Uh, didn't really get to the quarterback as much this year, but he occupied some guys and and uh, knocked down a lot of passes. So, yeah, I mean, that could be it after that. I know Matt Womack, there's been talk about him as an undrafted free agent. And uh, I actually spoke to somebody that said he's 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 reshaped his body and gotten a, a really good shape. And I was expecting to get a, a I guess, an NFL, uh, get into a camp. And He'll be in a camp. Yeah, Matt Womack will be in a camp. I, yeah. I, I could totally see that. I mean, there, there's a dearth of, of offensive linemen, you know, just in pro football in general. When you watch leagues like the XFL and the AAF try to put a product on the field, the most glaring deficiency once you get sub-NFL is offensive line play, man. You just there. We talk about quarterbacks so much and for obvious reasons, but – once you get past quarterback, it, it just seems like you know, professional football just can't find enough quality offensive linemen. Yeah, with Terrell Lewis, it's all about positional value, right? Because if Terrell had has this medical history that he does have, and he's, say, a running back, there's no way we're talking about Terrell Lewis in the second round. Now, this is all about the, the potential that he brings as a pass rusher. Um, and as you said, you look at this guy and you measure him and you do all the physical testing and you're you're certainly going to take more than a, a look or two at him. You know, Anthony Jennings, I think versatility could end up helping Anthony. You look at Anthony and you don't think about him in terms of being kind of a multi-positional guy, but he is 250 or so. So if you need to play him inside, maybe on an emergency type basis, he could handle that. He's a really smart guy. Um, he can set a really good edge against the run. Uh, on the on the edge there um he's improved as a pass rusher he has a pretty significant injury in his past too from that 2017 season but he seems to have overcome it pretty well i, I just think raekwon davis may be the most interesting guy in this draft class for alabama based on what we thought about raekwon davis two years ago today and sort of where he's being projected two years later uh as a four-year guy too I mean, this isn't a three and out. Raekwon, he spent four years at Alabama. And to sort of see him in some third and fourth rounds in some mocks, I don't think anybody expected that, Tim. No. I mean, you, you've had a couple of guys that sort of hit a plateau a little bit earlier in their career, hit the peak, I guess I should say, and then just sort of plateaued out. You know, I think the whole, you know, the, that whole defensive line just never really gelled this year, and he didn't quite see the production. But, you know, Jennings is a guy who um, – uh, you know, you've seen Alabama guys who weren't ideal, like you said, you know, not really sure his versatility, not really sure exactly how you'll play him. But that's sort of what, you know, the, to me, the NFL is still much more advanced defensively than they are offensively. I think there's a few, you know, less offensive guys who are able to change it up and mix it up a little bit more defensively. I still think you, you have a lot of guys who are smart Um uh, cut their teeth on finding guys and fitting them in there. And I think Jennings is one of those little jack-of-all-trade guys. And somebody's going to fall in love with him. Someone's really going to like him. I think so, too. So with that, let's take a look ahead, an early look ahead, with the players we've talked about and understanding that Matt Womack and Jared Maiden, maybe Shaheen Carter, uh, when you talk about undrafted free agent, late draft potential. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Jared Maiden go in the uh, sixth or seventh round later in this draft. Who knows? Maybe Matt as well. Um, Shaheem has played a lot of football at Alabama. He has experience at about three different positions. That's going to help certainly get him into a camp as well. Expect those guys to, one way or another, all end up in camps. But in terms of 
what looks to be the surefire draftable prospects from Alabama in this class. Let's go to their respective positions, Tim, and talk about a guy that we expect to emerge as the next top draft prospect at those spots moving forward. And it doesn't have to be someone that's draft eligible in 2021. It can be uh, you know, a freshman or a sophomore, a true sophomore, a first or second year guy. So let's start with quarterback. Alabama's top draft, draft prospect post Tua Tagovailoa at the quarterback position will be Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, um, has yeah, Bryce Young. To, yeah, it has to be Bryce Young. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought you were going to leave. Yeah, it has to be Bryce Young for me. I think Mac Jones probably is a guy that could end up uh, holding a clipboard in the NFL. We've seen guys similar to him, McElroy and a few others. AJ, and yeah. That, yeah, AJ. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt where Bryce. He sort of fits that mold. I, I'm hesitant to throw out labels. You know, he's sort of Kyler Murray size, but he's. He's, you know, Russell Wilson size and all that, but he is a smart guy with a, with a, with a good arm, not a great arm. He's not a big arm, Matthew Stafford type of kid, but he's got a really good arm and he's really smart. Called his own plays at high school at a legendary school, faced the best competition, and he's coming in to compete with the best and play the best. I mean, every week, you know, every game he'll play in the SEC is going to be, you know, against, you know, one of the top, you know, some somebody will be going to the NFL off that team defensively. More than likely. So, yeah, definitely have Bryce Young. Yeah, I have to go with that as well, just in terms of it's all about dynamic ability these days. The league is evolving more and more towards those kind of guys that can extend plays, make big time throws off platform, uh, improvise. It's not the milk toast type approach to quarterback play that you and I grew up with in the NFL and Bryce Young. Uh, sort of has that skill set in spades. And you're right. I think Mac Jones uh, ultimately could could certainly be um, an A.J. type when you, when you talk about a, a longtime backup or emergency type quarterback in the NFL. What about offensive tackles with Jedrick Wills moving on? Who do you see as Alabama's next top prospect at the offensive tackle position? <sighs> Is it as is it as easy as Leatherwood? Can you envision maybe Evan Neal being that guy at some point down the road? You're right. There, there's. It's not as easy as I think people think it is to make that Uh, that designation. I I really like Leatherwood, but I think Evan Neal has a huge upside. I tell you, Pierce Quick's another. I don't know if he's going to end up being a first round pick, but as far as a, a really good player. And a guy thing, I think he's like a little, you know, almost a trumped up version possibly of, of Barrett Jones, in fact. I think that's a big guy that can play multiple positions, you know. So I, I think that he's a guy that can come in there. But, you know, Alex is, you know, the low-hanging fruit. But Evan Neal, um, probably from an upside standpoint, is as good as, you know, probably better than Alex, really. I just think that, like, in this loaded class, Alex would be, you know, sort of at the tail end of a lot of these guys uh, being mentioned. Um, I worry about Alex with with his ability to anchor, you know what I mean? In terms of power. And I think he can be fine as a pass protector, Tim. The thing with Evan is kind of the other end of the spectrum of that. You know, Evan Neal's going to be able to anchor and, and, and have power in the run game. Um, it, it's, I think it's more with Evan, a question of this, this movement that he's had with his, with his body and reshaping it. And it's been a thing that's been in the works for, for multiple years now, if he can continue on that trend and make himself more viable as a, as a pass protector that you don't have to commit help to in that area of his game, I'll, I'll go Evan Neal of, of these offensive tackle prospects for you Alabama. Know, you know, the thing, these guys are so young, you know, Alex know. still, you know, he's still a guy that's going to get big. You know, I don't know if he's going to get bigger. But he's definitely a guy that could get stronger. Um, probably a guy that's going to benefit from the 
from the new strength strengthening uh, conditioning coaches and the new setup. So uh, these guys, you know, we forget these aren't like when we grew up. Everybody was a fifth gear red shirt. We were talking all Americans. Yeah. Uh, now we're talking about 20 year old kids going on 21. So still a lot of a lot of potential. Moves well, huge size. Uh, Evan, though, there's something special about Evan that I like. Yeah, it's 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 not all that hard to envision him really in the next year or two becoming one of those guys that you know you're hearing in, in, in along the same lines as a Jedrick Wills wide receivers with Henry Ruggs at third and Jerry Judy moving on I guess it's pretty much between two guys looking ahead and that's Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle now we're talking about just from a pro perspective projecting guys through that lens uh who you got there I mean, you got sort of a little bit of the Judy Ruggs debate here, don't you? Yeah. I mean, you got Devonta, who's that traditional wide receiver who can do everything well. I mean, Devonta's so smooth, we don't even we don't even realize how smooth he is. He just smooths, he just slides on bias, you know. Um, I remember telling people he led the team in receiving yards and the stats last year, and people being blown away. Huge Alabama fans, because I didn't even re- realize it till late in the year. But I think you got that comparison. Waddle super fast. You know, like Ruggs, he, you know, he's got special teams capability. Devonta's more of that more traditional guy. Traditional guys, it's easier to bet on. You know, that's why I was saying earlier, Judy easily could go better because all 32 teams know what they can do with Judy. I'm not sure all 32 teams are going to know exactly what to do with the Ruggs or Waddle. I'd say Devonta um, uh, has, a, has a good, you know, I think he's a first-round pick, but I still I lean towards Waddle because Waddle's different from everybody. It's just same reason I we leave with uh, I believe in Rubs slightly slightly more because he can do a little bit different thing, and especially from a special teams when you get a guy like Rubs yeah. returning punts, returning kickoffs, putting them in motion and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I still think those guys provide great value for the teams that know how to use them. Jalen Waddle is the kind of guy that the NFL seems to be more receptive to in recent years, like a Terry Kill. And guys like that that we've sort of compared Henry Ruggs the third to that are currently in the National Football League. So, uh, yeah, I could see that. And as you pointed out, when you combine the kick return ability to go along with what you're going to get from uh, Jalen as a sort of slot receiver specialist, uh, perhaps at the next level, that's going to be a tough call. I think that's going to be very interesting. Uh, Devontae with with such that, you know, ability to take the top off of defenses i'll tell you something Devontae's already got too he's got some tape on Derek stingley jr that's going to serve him pretty well from that game back in november here in tuscaloosa so yeah the wide receiver spot between those guys will be something that you'll obviously be keeping an eye on when we look at sort of that outside linebacker edge defender talking about terrell lewis and anthony jennings moving on who is alabama's Next top pro prospect at outside linebacker is it one of these freshmen? Maybe Tim. You know, you know, I love the freshmen. You know, I love to project those guys, and this group particularly is. Uh, I mean, this group, this group, especially on the front seven, was particularly strong. I love the. You know, you got the Drew Sanders guy. You know, you got you know you got Anderson. You have guys that can play multiple positions. Line up a defensive end, play that out, you know, that outside linebacker jack position. Um, you know, it's a tough call. I still think Chris Allen's got some in him, not so much potential-wise for the NFL, but I still think Chris Allen's going to be heard from with this Alabama team. But when I'm looking at pure upside, I, I like Chris Braswell. Um, Interesting. He's not. He might not be as popular of a choice right now. I think Drew Sanders is further along physically. But I sort of like that about Braswell. I like those guys. You can get them into college. He's an athlete uh he played with a shoulder injury that you know he didn't even you know no most people didn't even talk about that hindered him a little bit but he's one of the few guys i saw lay hands on bryce young so he got him in the pocket got his big paws on him and sacked him on a, a nationally televised game put a little pressure on him so showed me a lot there and i think athletically you know that guy meets a lot of what you're looking for when you look at the nfl draft and it's all about upside with the you know and it should be i mean you're you know with the guy way you're drafting but you know, that guy's six foot three, six foot four, going to be that two, you know, 230, 235 pound range, I think. He's already at 220. So, yeah, he'd be my call. Although Drew Sanders, he's another one that's just a fantastic athlete. I just don't know where you play, Drew. 
Uh, but wherever you play him, he's going to be good. I just think Drew Sanders, you've got so many options with. Of the returning guys, King Wakuda might be the guy of that group to keep an eye on in terms of pro potential because he has that length. Looks like he's got some twitch to him, which means he should have some pass rush ability. Um, and you're right, physically, you're having to project with these freshmen for the most part. Drew Sanders is seemingly further along. Uh, I would say Will Anderson probably fits that too. But Braswell, length, athleticism, you start thinking about a, you know, 30 pounds more on this guy in the next couple of years, uh, and that picture starts to become a little bit more clear for him. Let's talk about the safety position. You don't just lose Xavier McKinney, a projected first-round pick. We talked about Jared Maiden moving on as well. Um, top pro prospect for Alabama looking ahead at safety. Jordan Battle played a lot of football last season. And you really got some nice young players coming into the program for 2020. I guess Brian Branch would be in that mix, Tim. Uh, DeMarco Ellums is moving into his second year in the program. Daniel Wright's a veteran that's been around a little bit. Who you got there at safety? And I love Jordan Battle. I loved him in the yeah. recruiting process. I thought he was really, really a great get late for Alabama. I had to, you know, battle Ohio State and, you know, he's just got those instincts. I know, you know, this year he's a little bit too aggressive. You see him, you know, leaning in a little bit and getting some balls thrown over him or, you know, a little bit out of position, but thrown into some tough situations. He reminds me a lot of those NFL safeties in the young stages. He's athletic. He can run. He's got good instincts. Comes from a good high school program. I like him. And I'll tell you one sort of a sleeper. I'm really, really interested to see how Christian's story develops. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a guy that hadn't really played safety. He's never been taught safety, but a big-time athlete, hardworking kid, really good kid that I think physically has a lot of special gifts. Um, he's not a 4-4 guy. He's more of a 4-6 guy, I think, but he's long, and I think he's going to have the instincts. And talking to him, I think he's got that dog in him to, to really step up and, and have an impact. Malachi Moore coming into that mix, too, from Hewitt Trustful, a guy with some corner – in his background, I always like that with safeties because it kind of makes me think of Eddie, uh, Eddie Jackson and uh, the transition he made and, and how productive he ended up being at that position as well. Now, when we get over to corner, it, it should be a simple answer, right? When we're talking about Alabama's next top prospect at that position with Trayvon Diggs moving on. Um, one guy for sure, or we anticipate, uh, being in a sort of contract year for 2020 is uh, Patrick Sertan the second. Oh yeah. I think, you know, Pat's a no brainer. And, you know, I had people saying, you know, talking like he had a bad year, but I didn't even really see it. I don't know if it was, I just don't remember Pat being targeted a lot. Do you, it just seemed like they went towards digs a lot more than Pat. They, yeah, I would say it was probably more Trayvon as the season moved along. Um, you know, it, it, last impressions, too, are, are huge. And, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you know how it is. I mean, with fans, media, you name it, you're you're judged a good bit on performances in games like the Iron Bowl. And I didn't think Pat was awful in the Iron Bowl. He did give up a couple plays, including one for a touchdown that was a ball that was put in as good a place as you possibly could there. Uh, by Bo Nix for a touchdown. But, you know, it's a tough spot. I mean, you can play great for 60 snaps, and if you give up two plays, depending on the visibility of those plays, that's entirely how you're judged. But no, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you make one mistake that, you know, it's it's going it's there for the world to see because yeah. especially on a deep pass because it's just you, a referee, and a wide receiver. Yeah. So you're not, you don't have the luxury of having a bunch of linemen or a big – a big congestion in the middle of the field. I still think Pat is an excellent football player. I don't think, I mean, he has the pedigree. He was great as a freshman. I thought he was good last year. Um, you know, I think, like you said, a contract year, this guy knows this is the year. And, you know, he's cut that way. He's cut to get ready for the National Football League. He's a guy, you know, like a lot of the Alabama guys we talk about, you know, I always use Minka as, our, as my example, but he's got that Alabama when he said three, I'm, you know, I'm committing to Alabama for three years, next three years, he meant it. You know, a lot of those guys leave with a degree and ready for the for the league. So, yeah, I definitely think he's a, uh, you know, definitely the main guy there. 
Let's talk about the defensive line. Raquan Davis moving on. We'll combine the nose tackle and end positions there. When looking ahead, DJ Dale, Christian Barmore, Byron Young, Justin Aboigby. Um, and in terms of potential, there's a lot of guys who sort of check that box. But do you see one of these guys right now that you sort of anticipate emer- anticipate emerging? O'Brien Ray, a veteran, you could also throw in that mix. Yeah, I like LeBron, but I think Barmore has to be like the 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 one out of all the people on that team that could break out and come from no, nowhere, basically, Quentin Williams style. Yeah. I think Barmore's that guy. Um, anybody that wants the quarterback that bad, you know, that's a good thing. It's just, you know, it, you know, it's easier to teach people to slow down and than it is to speed up, in my opinion. And you've got Barmore who's constantly going after the ball. Now, sometimes that gets him out of position. Cause he, you know, he's not supposed to be over there chasing that ball. And, um, you know, so it gets him out of position, but man, that guy is strong. He is quick. He's got nasty in him. So I definitely love him. And Timmy Smith, the, the, the freshman hmm. incoming from Florida, I'm telling you that dude's a dancing bear. He had some of the most impressive film, senior film I've seen. If he stays working like that, if he stays, you know, dedicated, I think he's dead, you know, three years from now. We're going to be talking about him and talking about him a lot. In terms of playmaking ability, it's hard to look past Barmore because he can do a lot of the things that the NFL wants out of those guys, especially on the interior, and that's pass rush ability to start with. He's a disruptive force. I think you absolutely knocked it out of the park in terms of needing to harness that a little bit. Sometimes he he puts teammates in peril. Um by sort of freelancing and doing his own thing, that's maturity. That sometimes requires a couple of years to to take place, and you know perhaps that's what we're going to see from him. But just if you want to line a guy up one on one in like a pass rush drill, you know Christian Barmore would be very difficult not to take there. I like a sort of under the radar, understated guy like Byron Young because just when I look at Byron Young, it's impossible in terms of physical attributes to think this guy doesn't have a future in professional football. He, he is kind of the, the other side of Christian Barmore. Um, he, he's going to do the fundamental things right now that, that help the defense. He's got to be more adept at getting off blocks and making plays on his own. You know, I think for Barmore, if he could take a little bit of what Byron Young has already and vice versa, Young could take some of Barmore's playmaking abilities and instincts uh you you could put one of the uh one of the very best defensive linemen on the field if you were able to do that um so there you go that kind of sums it up tim as far as who's got next following this alabama draft class for the 2020 group yeah big big shoes to fill big no doubt about that Hey, uh, with that, let's head to the mailbag, the roundtable mailbag there at BamaOnline.com. We do this every week for every pod. So we'll go ahead and jump in there right now. Um, Sika, whatever, 97 asks, um, if you had to predict this cycle's wide receiver class by signing day, who would you have in it, Tim? We already know Ajay Hall is uh committed from that position uh, you got any other prospects of note that you would throw in there you know i don't really have, have you know still for me you know how i'm about making predictions because it's going to be held against me at some point <laughs> and you know i think it's still early i think alabama has some guys they're going to you know look at you know one of the most uh the interesting possible wide receivers i'm curious to see if alabama gets kool-aid the mckinstry kid out of pinson valley if yep. he's not used two ways, I mean, that guy's a legitimate. If you watch him, to me, he's a legitimate two-way player. I mean, obviously a fantastic basketball player. Uh, you know, also they're in the mix for several guys. Uh, Brian Thomas from uh, Louisiana. I think Alabama's battling LSU. for. So he's one I think Alabama has a solid shot of getting. I mean, right now it's really hard to get kids out of Louisiana. But uh, Alabama's battling there, and they're you know they're in it for a few guys. It's still early for me. I don't have a prediction on a, anybody imminent. I do, do think they will be okay at the wide receiver position. Um, I think they'll be okay overall in this class. You know, I think it's just going to take a minute. And uh, 
Um, but I do think they'll be fine at the wide receiver position. They better be with all these guys going, getting drafted and this year and next year. It should be easy. Coming up next, we've got a couple of gauntlets for us from Gabe Lewis and your boy, Jam Bama. We'll uh, sort of cherry pick these uh, questions from our couple of our faves there on the roundtable. Uh, Gabe asking, strategies to deal with a spouse who is at home all day, every day for the foreseeable future. You got any good strategies for that, Tim? I don't have to deal with it because the wife in her business, she's deemed essential. And so it's still pretty much status quo around here. I don't know about for you, though. She is essential. That chocolate. (laughs) Mental and physical health. That is essential. 100% essential at Peter Brook. Um, Yeah, you know, I've been doing it for, you know, double digit years now. Uh, The key for me is to have a schedule every day. That's my schedule. And, uh, one key, Gabe, is to remember your wife probably wants a break from you too. So don't get <laughs> don't get a, don't get a big ego. Be like me. Be humble like me. I know she probably needs to be away from me. Um, so I just get up in the morning. She does her thing. You know, we might convene around lunch for a few minutes. But really, it's almost like she has another job. We got the kids home with us, and uh, you know, we basically sit down together at about five thirty or six in the afternoon. So otherwise, she's doing stuff. I'm not under any impression. She wants to sit with me in my boxers working on a computer and watch <laughs> stream some Netflix show or the NFL combine I've seen a thousand times by now. So, oh, man. But be nice to her. Yeah, be nice. You got to have, right, you got to have your designated space, right? That's Absolutely. a big thing. And don't forget she wants it. it it's not Absolutely. just you know, she wants to be hanging out with you all day, Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabe also wants to know if we have ever smoked a Chuck roast which he calls a poor man's brisket and if so what are our thoughts i you know i've smoked a lot of stuff uh but i haven't done a chuck roast gabe maybe that's something for the future and i and i like the idea by the way that a chuck roast according to gabe anyway is a poor man's brisket because that tells me it's a lot cheaper than a brisket and thus if i screw up the chuck roast it's not as big of an investment down the drain as a brisket would be so i have to try that gabe well, Gabe might have a good recipe if you want to PM him. Yeah, Chuck, Gabe's probably got a good rub for that Chuck roast. I have to check oh, man. out. If he's throwing that out there, Gabe knows something we don't know. I'm probably going to do a little something on the grill for the draft tonight. You going to have any type of spread tonight, Tim, you know, for the you're draft? Gonna, you're going to make fun of me. I think most people do. I don't. I don't grill. Well, that's my, fine. My, can... my, my, I mean, it's kind of odd. My wife loves to grill. I got her a green egg. Nice. And she See, loves that's better. That's she, better than what I've got. She loves it. And it's good. Now, we had to get it. To me, I like it because the chicken's different. I really don't notice a huge difference in anything else. I think the chicken yeah, is, is chicken good. on there is unbelievable. Yeah, the chicken's better. And that, I'm a big chicken guy. So, uh, but my wife does all the grilling and I do a lot of the laundry. And I love there to you do, go. I'd love to do laundry since I was a kid, but it's therapeutic for me. Um, there you go. I got a system. Like probably like Gates rub there he's got. I mean it's uh, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean even how you do the the towels and everything, you're probably. It's funny, my kids. Probably my pre- wife, specific they, about that. They will fold. Yes, they will fold yeah. those some towels. Are you able to keep all the socks together, Tim, or do you do you have those stragglers like everybody else? My socks are money. These other <laughs> I don't know if they take one sock off in one room and leave it in the floor and throw it in the laundry basket. I don't know. I don't lose socks unless they touch them. Oh, they, they will come up missing all the time. Okay, Jam Bama, he wants to get right into the Netflix, and he's asking, have we watched Waco or Innocent Files as of yet? I've seen Waco on the uh, on the guide, and I've just about gone there. I haven't done it yet, and I have not seen Innocent Files. What about you, Tim? I've started Waco. Problem with my boy Jam is the minute they come out, he engulfs them. Every Netflix <laughs> drop, my boy eats it up, so we barely have time to compete with him. I've started Waco. It's got the guy that uh, starred uh, Friday Night Lights, Timmy Riggins. Remember him? Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's uh, uh, he's the he's the lead actor in it. So I'm watching it. It's not a great time to watch it. I've been trying to avoid. One, I don't like shows I know the ending. So the Titanic and Pearl Harbor, 
Uh, I didn't really like those. I know how Waco ends. I'm watching it. It's well done so far. I can already tell it's depressing. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, for what it for what it is, it, it's good. It's a good layout. I mean, it's really weird for me. I've got a little semi fascination with cult leaders because I can't understand how everybody follows those jackasses. But um, I've yet to meet a cult leader that I would like lend ten dollars to or let him cut my grass. So I don't know how no. you follow them to an island or you know or, or Waco, Texas. So, but yeah, it's a good show. What else has Jam got for us? Jam is uh, he is asking, what would you have your favorite team trade to get to a to your team? I can tell you this as a Jaguars fan, we're picking at nine and twenty tonight. I'd be fine sending twenty. And obviously nine would be a, probably a part of that. To, if, if I had to get up into the top five to take two, I, I really would. I don't think the Jags are going to do that. And also the Jags, they sort of have this war chest of draft pick capital similar to the Dolphins. That maybe it wouldn't take the, the, the pick at 20 to get them up there. It probably would. But um, that's what I'd be willing to do because I, I love the Gardner Minshew story, but I, I'm not sold on Gardner Minshew as the long-term fix for my Jags at quarterback. Well, the Saints, I mean, it, it, oh. it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, for you guys? No, not really. I mean, two is a guy. Well, I mean, if you're thinking Drew Brees has got two years or a year left, it does make sense. Um, I mean, he's got to retire at some point. I mean, his arms decline and he's still so productive. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to shut him down. But for me, I, w- I would like to have him. I'd like to have him sitting over there learning under, you know, one of the greatest. Hard- what about Taysom? Taysom going to be the guy? Is he the no. next guy? Hell no. <laughs> Taysom Tebow? Taysom no. Tebow it in the Taysom, guy, Taysom, like, every time I throw it, they're open. It's because they think you're running it. <laughs> if they thought you were throwing it, they would pick it off every time. Uh, yeah, I like him as an athlete, but he I don't th- I don't see him as ever as, the, as an NFL quarterback. All right, we'll get out of here on this one from Jam Bama underrated coach on the Alabama staff and why do we feel that way underrated coach on this Alabama football staff right now Tim which way would you go I'm a recruiting guy so I'm going to go Carl Scott still isn't appreciated enough on the recruiting trail I mean if you look what that guy did last year did amazing work I mean flip you know flip Sanders flip Jace McClellan um He's being tested this year because he's got a really good Birmingham area, and those kids are are uh, are a little have been a little bit difficult. You know, you're hoping to get a few of them on board a little bit sooner. But Carl's, you know, Carl's a guy that's going to do a really good job, I think. Um, you know, on the recruiting trail, and you know, I've dealt with these guys for twenty something years, so when um, I've seen sort of, you can sort of see how the development's coming. And Pruitt was that way as a young guy. Kirby was that way as a young guy. You could sort of see what was coming, and I think Carl's heading along that direction as far as being a great recruiter. There you go. That's going to put a wrap on it. And we appreciate a, we want to shout out to Jim and uh, Gabe, Gabe and CKKC97. They don't just bring questions; they bring great, great questions that entertain us. They do. They very uh, much do. We appreciate you two guys bringing it every week for us. And we appreciate each and every one of you for listening to T. Watts and TR, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Certainly encourage you to hang out with us there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com, the message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans. So ought to be lively here the next couple of days, Tim, with the NFL draft. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this is I hope people enjoy it tonight. I hope they build their day around it because you're not going to get a lot of sports for a while although i saw in asia they're playing baseball they're playing baseball in uh, like south korea yeah i want to see i tried to find that station i had hank south trying to help me the other day trying to find a (laughs) schedule but it's written in chinese but they was a i saw on tmz there was a brawl i was like i was like dude hank's living the dream underneath me hank's like hank right hank in that situation is like that poor it person working with Nick Saban right now, you know trying to make so sure bad. the Zoom works right. Oh, you know it's so bad. Yeah. I sent Hank the TMZ link, showed him the brawl. I said, holy crap, they're playing baseball. See what you can find out. And this dude sent me the schedule in like less than a minute. <laughs> and then he found the station, but we got hung up on when do they play because we couldn't read, like, when do they play. Yeah, you're going to have to be up at like 3.30 in the morning watching Shoot, baseball. Be up at from watching the South, South Korea. Korea. 
Take on the North Korean Kool-Aid drinkers. Oh, my goodness. All right, Tim. Enjoy the draft, man. We'll do it again next week. brother. See y'all next week. There he goes, Tim Watts. I'm Travis Schreier. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Built by Bama online podcast. Join us again soon right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.